right. Hello, everybody. This is Matt Ryan on another episode of my lovely podcast, All Roads Lead to Real Estate. And this is going to be another realtor edition. And I think this is going to be an interesting edition because I wish, oh boy, do I wish I had somebody to help describe this next topic to me earlier in my career because it's one of those things that uh, they talk about in the shadows, if you will. And uh, the people that give you the advice sometimes shouldn't be the ones giving you this advice. And it's related to the administrative side of a real estate business. And so I wanted to bring my business partner who runs the operations for us here at the Matt Ryan Group, uh, Ksenia with me. So hello. Thank you for joining me. Hi, everyone. So she's a little bit nervous because we have, you know, millions of fans out there listening to this podcast. And so it's a very uh, important day for her. <laughs> but thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yes. And so the reason I mentioned that this is such an important topic is because I don't think there's anything less understood as an agent than the administrative side of the business. And you don't know that you even necessarily need to learn about the side until you're busy. And then when you're really busy, you go, oh, no, what do I do? I literally am screwing things up left, right, center. I need to figure this out. Where do I where do I even go to find somebody? Do I try to like you hire your neighbor's cousin's friend? You know, you just don't know. You make the wrong hire. You don't know what you're looking for. And you're taking advice from everybody that's going to stare at you. Right. And so I bring you here because you have lived this journey. You have started early in your 20s in real estate. And I'm going to help describe some of the basics of what your your professional career has been in real estate. And I think if I just ran my mouth up here and just described it from an agent's perspective, it's going to be very different um, because ultimately it's like a yin, it's like a yin and yang, right? You're my yin to my yang and so forth. It's like you need someone that counterbalances you, that sees the business differently. Right. I can't hire another real estate agent to do the other side of the business that I suck at. It's just... Yep, that's the reality. That's the reality. And you've worked for several different agents and you've helped coach, mentor, train other agents. And so yeah, I think you are uniquely qualified to have this conversation. Great. So the first thing before I even get into your specific background and why you're qualified to speak on it. Let's first talk about when, why, and how to even make a first hire. And so the first note that I put down is why would an agent ever need help? And so before I describe it from an agent's perspective, why do you think an, a real estate agent needs help? Why do they need an administrative hire? Number one reason, in my opinion, is the leverage that the agents need. Um, typically, at the beginning of anyone's career, you might not notice the need of an admin because you're handling everything yourself you have plenty of time to do it yourself great but like you mentioned the only time that you realize that you need the leverage is when you get busy so again number one reason is leverage um number two is if you have any intention of growing yeah because the only way we make additional money in this business is to help more clients Exactly. And every client you take on, and it's a, a very big responsibility to take on each individual family and client, it requires more of your time. And so just thinking about what we had discussed right before we jumped in here, mm -hmm. we're just thinking about what are the agent's responsibilities? And if you're a young agent or even a seasoned agent, sometimes we forget what our responsibilities and our core 
um, competency should be and what you and I refer to as the 20% of your job, the mm -hmm. most important 20%. And really that is, it comes down to prospecting. And I'll describe that in a second, showing properties and going to listing appointments. So that's your second thing. And your third is negotiating. So there's really three main issues or, or titles, if you will, that you need to consider as an agent. So pretty much everything else falls into that 80% bucket. That means it takes up your time. It's not that we can't do those items and that they just not are not important at all, but the income producing activities are that 20%. That is going to be your prospecting, which I'll detail now. It's phone calls, it's lead generation, it's follow-ups, it's nurturing, it's it's, it could be door knocking. It could be setting up marketing in, in an effort to get people to call you. It's things to create business opportunities. So that is our prospecting. So that is super, super, super important. Without that, the rest is pointless. I had a, a, a business um, coach one time tell me, Matt, you could be the best dentist in the world. If you don't have a single patient sitting in that chair, guess what? You're not going to make any money. You're out of business. <laughs> Dental practice goes to zero. So that's prospecting. The next is showing homes and going on listing appointments. That is the activity function that a lot of realtors actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. I love that's homes. That's the fun part. Yeah, I love homes. Yeah, perfect. That's part of your job. But once again, if you don't do the prospecting side, you'll never show a house in your life. Mm -hmm. So that's the showing part and then negotiating contracts. So that's some of the art. So there is a little bit of art to all of it, but in my opinion, the negotiating isn't just, once again, with negotiating with the other side, the other realtors, it's negotiating with your own clients. Absolutely. Clients can sometimes be their worst enemies, right? Their own worst enemies. It's very, very true. And so helping them to understand the process, what is in their best interest, giving them all their options, that's the negotiating part. So that's the 20%. So Ksenia, when we talk about the other 80%, that's really where leverage comes in, right? Right, right. It's basically eliminating all the busy work, all the noise from the agent, because the reality is what happens is when you did the first steps that you just mentioned, you prospected, you showed the house, you finally negotiated your deal. Now that you're in the contract, there's a lot of busy work happening to it. A lot of times contracts are challenging and they are absorbing a lot of agents' time and reality is that if the agent is riding the roller coaster of uh, prospecting, then um, being under contract with multiple deals, they stop the prospecting. So what happens? They successfully close those deals and they go on a downfall of not having any prospects. Right. So at the end of the day, you're broke because you didn't do consistent prospecting. So where the admin help comes in is to eliminate that kind of wave or make it a little bit smaller so your income is more consistent and you can actually achieve your goal more um, more seamlessly and it will be something that you can forecast and rely on because a lot of people want stability in their lives. They do want a unlimited potential for income, but they do want to provide to their family and um, Again, have it systematically and not worry about oh, what are we going to eat tonight. Yeah, and so getting what you're talking about is treating this like a real business. Absolutely. And so when you're a realtor, you're just starting out. Uh, you might be similar to how I was. I was a solo agent. I had a kind of a mentor, not really. They didn't really teach me a whole lot, right? Other than oh, this is how you fill out the contract. And outside of that, I knew nothing. 
And so when I started getting busy, I realized, wow, if I had three, four, five pendings, I spent most of my day doing the easy stuff, which is just following up with the people that are already working with me. That's easy, right? Because mm -hmm. they're going to answer my call. I'm literally either showing them homes, their home is listed with me. It's such a pleasant conversation. They're going to answer my call. Um, it's not hard. The hard, hard part is getting people to want to work with me, prospecting, making the phone calls. It's it, they, Sometimes people call it like real estate is a contact sport, right? Mm -hmm. You have to go out there and make contact. And if you don't, you are not going to be in the business for long. You certainly won't be able to. You'll be in a reactive state rather than a proactive state in this business. And when you just wait for your phone to ring and that's when you get the next paycheck, so to speak, you can't predict anything. And I can promise you, I have a mortgage. A lot of you do. Uh, your bank wants that payment. Exactly. Right? Your car. Your car the, payments. The car Everything payment. Keeps... Those bills are consistent. You know, it's like, uh, what's they say that, you know, electric company, they don't want their, they don't want that bill like every other month. <laughs> they want it every month. And, and so that's really what leverage comes down to. And one of the reasons eventually I was attracted to a company like Keller Williams, and there are others now that offer lots of training. They were the first in my career to really showcase what that looks like and what that could potentially be and the doors that can unlock. Because when you make up a, a good hire, which by the way, we're going to get into great detail soon about the difference between a good and bad hire and the cost associated with both. But when you make a hire and they're good, you should be able to, at a minimum, 3x what you can do on your own. And what I also want to point out there early in this podcast is that, you know, there's agents out there that, have you ever felt like when they realize you're not the agent on the file that they don't want to talk to you? Like they're, they're like, oh no, can I talk to the agent? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many times. And it's like you have, especially you, you're like on the next level. So if, if you know Ksenia and you work with us, like she's better than I am at almost everything administratively related in our entire business. You don't want to deal with me. Like I have, I'm good at my select skill sets, mm -hmm. right? I'm good at that part of the job, but I do not, you don't want to deal with me to ensure that everything handles within their timelines and timeframes. I am way too scatterbrained and all over the place. And so that is the why it's like you have that perfect blend of skills that can do that other side of the job better than the agent. Because you correct me if I'm wrong, you work with a lot of agents by now. The really good agents are really bad at your side of the job on average, right? That's it's, typical. It's pretty much the rule. In my opinion, if you're a good agent, you can be good admin. The two personalities just can be in one person. It's very, very rarely that it exists. Right. And we call it like a high C, someone that's looking for stability, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. consistency. They're organized. Most agents are that are willing to take the crazy, really, quite frankly, stupid risk of doing this job with zero income uh, security of any kind. There's unlimited risks associated with the unlimited potential. We just look at the potential. Right. Right. And we just run towards, oh, that looks good. We can make a lot of money. And then you don't realize, oh, my God, look at all the other you know, landmines in front of me, we are wired in such a way that we just run anyway. Right. But there's people like me who is uh, who are on the different spectrum that have no desire to do. What are you doing? Right. And and by the way, you can have a symbiotic relationship. So I'm just it's like that's the most important person in your world. And what you'll learn is as you continue to produce as an agent, your first person you need to add to your world is a great real estate um, administrative hire. And then your second best hire, and this has been proven out many, many times, should be another administrative hire. And so your first two people on your team need to be in the administrative side. 
which is opposite of what a lot of agents do. And they just start hiring other agents. agents. Yes. And why do you think people do that? What? Because it's a common misconception that if I hire more salespeople, oh, they will just generate more business. Reality is, it's just a chaos because everybody's moving in different directions. What are you? Are you a team or you are a space of um, co-minded people? Right. Yeah. And what value, if you join a team with just a bunch of cats, you know, you got to herd the cats. They're all over the place. It's like, what value does that even bring to your world as an agent? Mm -hmm. You just might be around other high producers, but I just, I refer to it as you can, it can, the numbers can look great in theory, but it's chaos. Right. And, and eventually yeah. those sales agents, if they are both like in a leadership position, um, <clears throat> if they're partners on the same team, they will come up to an agreement that they will need an admin to grow. Yeah. That's just the reality. It's just the reality. So, you know, and one of the things that I wanted to discuss with you is just like if you're listening to this and you love real estate, but you have no desire to take on the agent responsibility, like help explain to someone like most people that think, oh, I'm going to get into real estate. They just assume they're going to have to be a realtor. Mm -hmm. So explain, if you will, like this might be a good opportunity for you to talk about your background in real estate, like like the honest reason you got into real estate is it just for a job like you're just like oh it's a job it's a posting i'll try it is that and then what are you know just explain what opportunities could be out there for someone that's listening that might not be familiar yeah so my experience with starting in real estate was maybe not that glamorous <laughs> as never is. you know it's never really yeah so i was in desperate need of a stable job Prior to that, I was on like a contractual um, gig, I would say, that will give me paycheck every now and then. But I couldn't do with that because in my nature, I'm seeking that stability, as I mentioned before. So I was looking for something administrative, something that I could utilize my, you know, customer service skills. Um, so I was looking at many industries and I saw this ad on Indeed um, at the real estate team. Um, did I know what real estate is? No, I had no clue. I had no idea who's a lender. First of all, I, did, I didn't know that it's any different from a bank. Well, um, yeah. who's a title company? I was clueless. Yet, I just kind of dared and applied um, and said, you know what? They ask for what I'm good at, uh, detail-oriented, et cetera, et cetera. And I just went with it. Now, um, in my opinion, the biggest misconception uh, for a lot of people is that they think uh, the only way you can be successful in real estate is if you sell a lot of houses. However, I don't know any real estate team out there who became successful without a strong admin side. But what I got to add to this is that all those admin people are um, the unsung heroes. You never really see them, hear them. Um, they're not out there as the frontliners. However, without them, the whole ca castle is just going to crumble. Yes. Yeah. So, um, again, kind of like scrolling the pages of my real estate book, you know, down to the very beginning. At the very uh, first year of my real estate career, I didn't know how it can actually be my career. I just treated it as my job, seriously, uh, my initial administrative position. And I was, let me call myself like a sponge, right? I was 
ears everywhere, listening to conversations of my agents on the team, basically learning everything I possibly can. That's and Let me interrupt you just uh -huh. for a second. If you're listening to this at home and you're considering trying to find a hire, the way she's describing her thought process right now is the type of thought pattern you want to look for. I want to be very clear about that. That's called searching for talent. Um, that's this is how this is what talent sounds like. But go ahead, keep speaking. Yeah, I just thought I'd put that out there to put it in context. Sure. Um, so yeah, I was a sponge again, listening, learning everything I possibly could, and I could see noticeable difference in understanding and being able to offer feedback when similar situation would arise in the future. And after a while, maybe like three to six months, I was like, you know what, this industry is actually pretty cool because. I keep learning. It's not like I had the first three months worth of training and that's it. You kind of like wrapped up on your knowledge until then. No, it kept on going. Even till today, we have, you know, different scenarios, different clients. And you're always like, oh, I've never heard about that. Yeah. Um, so that never stopping learning pro process is something that is really exciting for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm extremely grateful for all my opportunities that I've had in the real estate career because they gave me the knowledge that I have and it kind of happened naturally just because it's in my personality to be um, to be very receptive to everything that is kind of like poured into me. And when you're new, especially on the administrative side, you're typically asked to do everything. Oh, yeah. So you've done pretty much every role mm -hmm. there is. I mean, yeah. you've done every you're licensed. So yes. you're you can also negotiate contracts and you've mm -hmm. done that many times inspections. You've I mean, you've dealt with how many families at this point? Thousands, uh, I would assume. It's got to yes, be over a thousand. Minimum. It's, it's over a thousand. And I've done everything from uh, compliance, like paperwork stuff to um, taking pictures of properties to, you know, hanging log boxes, including the negotiations of the contract, repair negotiations, all of that. Obviously, that didn't happen from day one. It only happened when I uh, gained certain level of experience, of expertise, because negotiation uh, on an admin side I would consider it it's it's pretty advanced skills that you have to to have so expecting your admin your first hire to start negotiating from day one let's say after 30 uh 30 60 90 days it's a bit unrealistic it's unrealistic in the beginning but this is the goal so it's it's learning everything so i think starting off if you will like at the at the very first stage where you're hanging lock boxes and you know every task within this business it's not so when you ask someone else now mm -hmm. right now you have other people that are helping you you've done those jobs right you've put the signs up you've you like there's nothing that you haven't done you've negotiated you've helped do the compliance there's nothing that you're asking someone else to do that you haven't done yourself mm -hmm. it's also one of the reasons as an agent i encourage you to have experience i've done everything just like you have if it the i mean i've cleaned the toilets i've i've done i've thrown out the trash i have gotten dirty like i have there's you name it it's been done and it's like with that comes comes a certain level of of humble absolutely <laughs> like you stay humble and mm -hmm. you stay hungry you do. You do. and i just i don't know so i feel that that's an advantage you have because some people have never you know if you came in from a different career let's say you were older when you first got in you mm -hmm. might have skipped a few of those little jobs Possibly. entry jobs mm -hmm. and i think you'd be worse off for it in a way mm -hmm. so i think that's great so let's let's go back to to something when you're an agent so if if you're looking to hire someone like yourself mm -hmm. 
how do you know you're ready to make your first hire, do you think? And I'll give you my perspective, but I'd love to hear yours before I rumble on and go on a tangent. How do you think an agent might be ready to make their first hire? And then I'll give you my answer. Sure. I think when, um, let's let's pretend that your time is a bucket, right? And when your bucket is overfilled and you feel like you don't have enough time to service your clients and you have a very unhealthy life work balance when your family barely sees you, I think that's when the agents realize that they need to hire. And I think that's the real answer because that's, it's like you, the the part that you were hinting at is you have to be able to afford the hire. For sure. So if you just started and you, you can't afford to hire anyone, furthermore, you don't know what to tell them or train them on. Exactly. So it's it's a weird way. It's kind of backwards and it's just like I, I am not able to hire someone until I was so busy it was painful. And I finally made a hire. I didn't know who to hire. I'm not a good manager. And I certainly didn't know how to train anyone else. And by the way, I had a 10 contracts. I didn't, you know, with 10 pending, I didn't know what to do. It's a mess. And so that is the truth of it. No one really, I think, ever explained that to me. Um, it sounds very simple, right? Oh, I'll find someone and get them to work. It's like, oh my God, this yeah, is Yeah, and painful. then you bring a human here. Yeah, and they show up. And then the first time they look at you, going what do i do boss i'm like holy crap i have no idea exactly. <laughs> uh and the reality is i just had someone follow me around and take notes at what i was doing and they create what's called like an operations manual and it it was a mess and so what i've learned and what i'm about to share is is what has been outlined to me i've had a coach a business coach for many 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 years it's cost me probably more than my college degree at this point however um some of the insights they've shared with me, it's like going through a minimum of three months salary for this individual you need to have saved. So if you don't have three, if preferably six months of their salary saved in a completely separate bucket outside of your operating bucket, don't make the hire mm -hmm. because this is a human being that has obligations of their own. So I've seen that ignored and it's terrifying. Like they don't have any savings and they just make a hire. Well, we'll figure it out. I'll make some money. I'm like, oh my God. Um, so first thing you do, you need to have some savings. Second thing, you need a detailed job description. And if you don't know exactly what that is, make sure you figure it out because when you look for a candidate, you wouldn't know what it is you'd be asking them to do. I had a business coach who helped me formulate one, but there's a million of them online. Oh, yeah. And um, I know if you're with KW, they have these operating manuals that you can get there. I mean, m most brokerages have them these days. Um, what we're describing isn't super unique. 20 years ago, no one had anybody on the admin side. It was super rare. Now, very common. Um, and then what's the next? Uh, after your job description, you need a 30-day, 60-day, and 90-day plan. And you've helped to establish what that looks like. So describe what a 30, 60, 90 would be and why you need it in advance of the hire. Sure. So you need to determine what is the goal that this new hire will be going towards. And in order for that goal to be tangible manageable you break it down into like phases what needs to be accomplished slash learned in the first 30 days 60 days and 90 days obviously it's like a gradual improvement and it's not one goal it's multiple things that you want to be accomplished and you focus your most effort on that so it could include like 10 lines it doesn't have to be one or two things but the reason why you need to determine that up front is so that you don't have that new hire, that nice human being showing up and stare at you on day one. Hey, Matt, what I'm going to do today? And the same if the day 
days go by, they don't need your supervision every single minute of the day because they will have the plan in front of them that they can follow to get themselves to that goal. Now, 30, 60, 90 days is not something uh, that they can handle um, without any help. Obviously, that has to include certain training, uh, training sessions, certain supervision, and very proper communication with that new hire. Just a piece of paper by itself is dead without um, really holding them accountable to the progress. And in addition to this plan, you actually have to have the 30, 60 day sorry 30 60 and 90 days evaluation to see how well they did with those goals how they self-evaluate them and how do you think they did and i think what we're getting at here is knowing this in advance makes clarity to the role by the way these are things i'm telling everyone now because it makes sense and now it's like oh of course yeah that i would of course i would do that i didn't do any of this no one taught me any of this i made a hire they looked at me like okay what do i do and I, I screwed it up every way I could possibly think of because I was busy. That's how I could afford them in the first place. And I didn't know how to train them in their best efforts. Like, I need them to know things today. And so that's my biggest gripe about having to do this. And everyone's going to have to do go through this in a similar sense. I don't care how well you prepare for this moment. You're going to go through some of this learning pain because... You haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. And so there are ways to try to um, mitigate this by having a plan. But you're describing a ramp up where the first 30 days you have very straightforward. These are the goals you expect of me. Mm -hmm. And then they evaluate themselves and you confirm and deny. And my coaches at the time would always remind me that you aren't hiring someone for life. That's not the way it works. So they have to be talent. They have to be proven talent eventually in that role. And you're giving them an opportunity. And as long as you don't screw it up as an agent, it could all work out. So the point is you're assessing them and you'd rather let them go early than not evaluate them. And then next thing you know, six months or a year later, it is a complete bombshell. They hate you. You hate the It's a mess. Mm -hmm. So it's like having proper fair evaluations in advance, timely. You'd rather let them go in that first 90 days. That's like you're not a true hire until your 91st day right 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 and in addition you're offering them clarity because you know how many people out there you know doing the job day to day thinking that they know what they're doing but in fact they will say i have no idea what i'm doing because they don't have that initial clarity yeah it's it's challenging but you can do it and just remember there are so many examples of this out there just all i'm saying is make sure you do a little more work than i had done because your success rate goes dramatically up when you have a plan. And so the other thing is like, as you, once you have those established, you then need to figure out who you're actually looking for. Mm -hmm. And that my friends, that's challenging because it's not necessarily the what of the job that we can figure out. It's the who. who. And that is challenging because you, you know, you are going to have to go through challenges and you might have to start training someone and getting into business with people time and time again until you find someone that's both a uh, symbiotic match with your personality but also is a jo- is a fit for the role and so there are lots of ways to try to find that person what what are some like how do you think that we try to identify and find talent like right so there's multiple tools available out there um from a brokerage um it's a disk assessment so something that evaluates your personality um it's a uh 
KPA, which is a Keller Williams tool that basically kind of assesses your personality to see if you will be a good fit for an administrative position. Um, we also do career visioning to see what uh, what their career goals are, how do they envision themselves in the future? Is it going to be a fit for us? And are we going to be a fit for them? So right. that is a whole process that takes uh, multiple hours, multiple meetings. Um, yeah, and and what I know Gary Keller, I might talk about him too much, but it's because I've gone to all his trainings 5,000 times. But he always discusses that the people that make it in this line of work is no different than most businesses. Mm -hmm. It's how many times are you willing to fail before you succeed? And the people that have the highest pain threshold and they're willing to continue to try, try, and try almost to a point where it's just like, are you serious at this point? Like you should be giving up. It's it's those folks that make it. It's not that they're necessarily better than you or me or anyone else. It's that they're just consistently learning, willing to learn from mistakes, get up and keep going. And so you're not going to make your first hire, the odds are the best hire in the world and you're going to have them for 20 years and it's going to work. Is it possible? Sure. Yes. However, the expectation is that you're going in it with good faith, right? You're operating in good faith. You're giving it to your best, but you're willing to continue to try. And if you fail, fail quickly and keep going. And I think I had to hear that. And it's helpful to be in a scenario where there's others that are doing this because when you see other people go through these challenges, it you realize like, oh my God, it's not just me. Like mm -hmm. it's, it is, it can be a mess like at times. Right. And it's just like, I, I don't know, you need like a support group or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, it's challenging. Um, and so, yes, we use career visioning. We find talent and and you'll hear talent be talked about all the time. And so we were discussing, it's not something we created, but I, I have adopted this mentality, but there's three types of talent. And if they're, so there's non-talent and talent. And if they're in the non-talent bucket, during that interview process, you exit, they call it exit with class, right? Thank you for their time, wish them well, but you exit. They have to be talented, even have a discussion, but in the talent category, there's a couple different categories of talent. And so we've described them as potential talent, which is usually someone that's earlier in their career path that you can tell they have something going on. It's just they don't have a a, a track record yet of excellence. Right. Maybe like freshly out of college. That's possible. Or maybe they were in a different career altogether. Right. Or there's a million reasons. Some people are stay-at-home mom or dad situations and they want to enter the workforce. It's a million different reasons. But they have potential, but that's kind of the extent of where it is. Um, and then you have emerging talent, and that's someone that's been in that role or a similar type of role, and they're displaying evidence of success and talent. Right? You can actually they can point to something and say, look at what I've done. I'm along this path. I'm not a rookie, so to speak. And then the third type of talent is proven talent. And then we can debate what that really is. Like, when are you truly proven? If as an agent, when am I proven talent? You know, because anybody can have a good one year, right? It's like, how many years in a row do I need to demonstrate consistent sales before you consider me proven? Likewise, on the administrative side, how many years of this or how many transactions or like, what do you even consider proven Our talent? Our coach will say that uh, there's no proven talent for you until they prove themselves. So you can't take somebody else's track record and necessarily apply it to you. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So he didn't say that to me yet, but the the point is, I guess, even if, so they were successful in another career, another company or something, but- They not, still have to prove right. themselves to you. That's just- Right. But the point is, the distinction we're making is that there's levels of talent. It's not like there's a, 
yes, they're talent, quote unquote. And so you can you give them an opportunity, but you could potentially pay them different or you structure it in such a way where there's there's a bonus opportunity or there's there's something to go to um, because you still want someone that is ambitious, that has that has goals, that has dreams that, that you know, they, I've heard the term cul-de-sac talent. That's somebody that never, ever wants to do anything outside of, let's say, answering phones at a front desk. Not that anything's wrong with that, mm -hmm. but they could say, Matt, I don't want any responsibility whatsoever. You're the most lovely, caring person in the world, potentially, but you have no desire to do anything bigger. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Every company needs certain people like that that just want a nine to five basic opportunity. Right, right. That's fine. But if you're starting your business and like I was and you want someone to grow with you, I'm not looking for cul-de-sac talent. Instead, I'm looking for emerging or proven talent that wants to grow, that wants more opportunity, that wants the potential to double their salary, that wants opportunity. Like we talk about not just money. It's always what about freedom? What about time off? What about making your life what you choose to make it? And we are in a really weird little industry that we don't have to work 80 hours down the road. Mm -hmm. We can have additional leverage and that's the beautiful part about the administrative side. Once they've proven themselves that they get the same opportunities agents do in terms of they could choose to work less and do more and earn more, right? Because you can have leverage on the administrative side. Right, right. Obviously, in the entry level, the good thing about the administrative positions, majority of them, they're just like normal business hours. You know, you have yeah. your evenings off, you have your weekends off. That's what sales agents don't get from the beginning. You're going to be running out there showing homes. That's right. Yeah, and your phone rings, and if you don't answer it, there's too many of us out there to yeah. we're easily replaced. And until you have really earned the right to say, hey, I'll call you back tomorrow, that's really hard. And I still have a very tough time doing it, but I'm getting slightly better. But in non-urgent situations, I might say, can I call you tomorrow? Um, that took me over 10 years to figure that one out. Um, you call me at 10 o'clock, I'd answer it. <laughs> uh, that was, uh, that's on me, but uh, it's a process. And so... Um, so that's basically the talent types. And then you're going to, once again, once you make the hire, you're going to 30, 69, 30 day, 60 day and 90 day on board. And then once they're on the 91st day, they are full blown. They are proven themselves at least capable of performing the essential functions. Now you have a real hire. And so that's the goal, everybody. And so um, let's talk about what the administrative side does. And so what would you say a starting administrative person should prepare themselves to do? Like what's the role or what's the job title? There's several job titles administrative have. Do you want to start off with that and then we'll describe what they, they sure. are? Sure. <clears throat> so um, you could be you could be an administrative assistance, assistant or you could be an EA depending on how you want to call yourself. Sure. Um, like an executive assistant. An executive assistant, yeah. Sure. So that is going to be your, um, your entry-level position and that's in our opinion, should be the first hire. And that I've had the, that is everything. That, and that is, is an, everything. That is a blended role. Position. Exactly. Uh, so the person should be prepared to basically be a sponge, like I mentioned before. Right. Um, and uh, the person should be cross trained on all the aspects. And um, after that comes the transaction coordinator, or how we abbreviate it, a TC, which will be solely focused on taking care of contract to close. Um, then it could be your showing assistant and it could be your inside sales agent who will be basically taking the pain of making the calls. Uh, so there's multiple roles out there. Uh, but when you are in the initial position of hiring 
um, your first administrative assistant, it should be a blended role of pretty much everything. Yeah, and it's an executive assistant is the first typical hire, and um, then you have a director of operations eventually once you have operations to direct, quite frankly. Right. <laughs> but that, that EA hire is the catch-all, and I can tell you, I have interviewed lots of people for that role, and you get everybody applying for it. You Every walk of life, every background, I've had cashiers, I've had people with two master's degrees apply for it. It's like, it is like the mixed bag of, of real estate. It's like you mm -hmm. get everybody. And that is so challenging. So until you've started interviewing for that, you could be impressed with someone's talent and then you're going back and forth saying, they have two master's degrees, they have 20 years experience in XYZ industry, and they're gonna work for my dumb tail. <laughs> I, literally, I just scratch my head sometimes and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, at the time, I'm 28 years old or something. I'm like, I know nothing, hardly. You're my first hire, there's no way this is gonna work out. You you know, it's just, it was, so it's really challenging. It's like, I don't, um, I don't know how to describe that catch-all EA other than identifying talent, making sure you have some type of either disc assessment, personality assessment. If you have a Keller personality assessment, that's great. That one's tailored. We mentioned that before. That's tailored to all the roles that we're describing, and you have a propensity, um, like it'll give you an actual ranking based on the performance of your personality versus others that have been successful. That's been the most helpful tool I've seen. And all it is is a tool. It helps you, guides you on what questions to potentially ask because you don't know what you don't know and certainly they don't know. And that's why the 30, 60, 90 conversation is so important. So if you get only one thing out of what we've started talking about, that should be it because you've made it very clear we're going to sit down and have a real conversation three times. And it's not a oh my God moment like when you have them. And uh, it just makes it so much more helpful because you really don't know during that initial I call it dating. Like dating when you, phase, yeah. Yeah, it's a dating phase. Everyone looks their best, acts their best, and then when you, you know, 30, 60 days, I mean, yeah, you start to show up, you know, as your true self, so mm -hmm. to speak. And that's when you really find out about somebody. So, and then after that EA hire, that really comes down to, like you said, that transaction coordinator. And that's someone that's going to handle your files, and that's doing more. They're not just, they don't do everything in your world, right? They're more specialized. Right. And that is the person that can really change your world because you can increase your production dramatically. And if they're good and they're trained, they do it better than you ever did it. And that's the hardest part because if you're doing this at a high level, you want to micromanage every detail. And right, because how many have you experienced that working for agents like they just don't want to give up anything? Hell yeah. Yeah, that's in their nature because they have been by themselves until now, right? So that's why I was very understanding to that, even though micromanaging, micromanaging always sucks. But, you know, the point is that I understand where they're coming from because there's a lot of money in the game. And yeah, you know, they don't have the salary. I kind of do. And they have to provide for that. Right. So um, it was always a place of understanding for me why they need to be such control freaks. However, I've seen a different side of things when they actually saw things getting done properly the way that they wanted it to. And it was such a relief for them not to need to be micromanagers anymore. So that's that felt really rewarding. And there is nothing more amazing. So if you're going through the struggles of this process, just listen to this and put it on repeat on a soundbite. Maybe we'll do that for you. There is nothing more amazing than having talent in a role that takes all of these things off of your plate that allows you to double or triple production 
And by the way, your clients will like you more for it, not less, because it got done better. Deadlines were never missed. Everything was done in a streamlined fashion. It is just a whole different world. It is it is like a whirlwind in my head when I try to do it all myself. And there is no way I did it as well as someone that has created a system. Like you have a manual for everything. You have operations manual outlining every step of every transaction. You, it's I couldn't do that. There's no way I'm writing that. It's just not going to happen. And so when you find someone that's capable of that, it does change your outlook on life. It gives you freedom. And um, it's not that it takes away all your stresses, right? Because you were just replace stresses, right? You take that away and now you realize, oh my God, I have more expenses. Now I need to sell more. Mm-hmm. So you're just, right, we're changed, but I'm better at that. I can do that more easily. It comes more naturally. It doesn't hurt as much. And so it's like, it's a trade-off in a weird way. But I don't know. So the whole point of the whole point of this dialogue is to describe the pleasure that could potentially be on the other side of this pain. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the rewards that you're going to get because you're going to get more money. That's it. And so we I know and it's going to be an event. So if you're looking to make a potential job change, let's say, and join this world of real estate and you want to be on the administrative side because the idea of selling the actual house is horrifying and just sounds very unappealing then this is something you could consider. So I, I've just, it's like, I know we are also looking for another transaction coordinator currently. It's like, what would you describe that personality be? Like who would, if who would be our ideal person, do you think to be on that side? Okay. So <clears throat> I would say it will be an introvert, um, very detail oriented, something who is seeking stability and is, um, I wouldn't say extremely analytical, but fairly analytical that will not miss any detail. So kind of like a blend of those traits, because I found that those people become really successful transaction coordinators that the agents are proud of. Can you make you like literally make the world go round? So it's like it's yes, you're the unsung hero, so to speak, but your agents will love you. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. And you feel more comfortable in that role anyway. The people that I've met that are really good at that role really love the role yeah yeah. and they've done it for usually for a long period of time and not only do you have a salary as you advance in that role you have opportunities for bonuses there's you have flexibility you could additionally get leverage so we're looking for someone that's local but there are now transaction companies there's also virtual transaction coordinators correct so you could have one main person and then they could then manage additional people behind them correct Mm -hmm. yes and there's just so much opportunity for growth again I will repeat myself. The biggest misconception is if you need to make money, you need to sell houses. No, there's so many coaches out there. There's so many educators. Um, you could uh, you could potentially go into other branches of real estate, which is like lending on title. Um, so there's no limit. Sky is your limit. As long as you are eager to really like grow in this industry, you can keep on going. You can grow your operations team the way you mentioned that you you will have your own leverage. You are now a director of a department of people who are your direct reports, who you're just supporting. And that is something that I um, I aspire to be. Well, and I want once again to point out that that's the answer for someone that falls in the talent category. What would you and I've heard it. I know you've heard it when we've interviewed other people. What does non-talent say to that answer? Like 
how have you, I can tell you, I don't want to put you on the spot that bad, <laughs> but I'll tell you how I've interpreted that and how I've heard it. It's very much someone that wants a nine to five to clock in, has no desire to do anything above and beyond, doesn't really want growth. And I hate to say it, but I'll just put it on blast. What I've heard more often than not, it's usually these medical offices that I have people that are receptionists and that are in the front desk that deal with patients all day and take insurance and, and billing. They want to transition into this industry sometimes, and that's a very, very challenging cross. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, and I've, I've, I've learned that it's not that it's not possible once again, but sometimes if you've done that role for ten or twenty years, it is really tough because our environment is very, it's crazy. It's like you know taking three shots of coffee and going in, and every day is wildly different. And the people are cra- like some of our clients, God love them. Or can be crazy. It's, right. it's you're dealing with people, so there's there all spectrums of people. So even as a transaction coordinator, you're dealing with human beings. Absolutely, yeah. You're on the phone. You are you know communicating with them with the the emails. You're communicating with other agents, right? Who also can be challenging. And people, we are, can be fired at a drop of a hat. So mm-hmm. as a transaction coordinator, we want referrals. The name of the game is to serve your client at such a level where they want to refer you to friends, family, and people at work, and so forth. So you have to deliver a really good experience. And so that is why this hire is so important because they're touching your people. And that's why it's like you can't just hire someone that can, quote unquote, do the job. It's like you need to hire someone that is talent because they are going to impact your future growth of your business. Because I expect when I have a good closing and if I take care of them, I earn the right to hopefully write future business and referrals. And so that's why this hire is so impactful and so important mm-hmm. and uh on another hand yeah. they can just uh you know make the deal fall apart oh believe me yes i've seen it i've made i've written checks because of the errors that can happen during the process and i have to make it right because at the end of the day it's the agent's tail that's your uh, name is on the contract that's so it. yeah and you can't hide from responsibility when there's things that get screwed up yeah and so, um, although you want to, you want to get in the corner and just hide and hover and, and cover. Cry. <laughs> but it, it, by the way, mistakes will happen, right? It's owning them and moving forward. Yeah. But um, that is the challenge. Um, but it's been a learning curve for me. Many folks, including myself, never had. I've been a manager before in a, in a in my previous career, but not really. It was like it wasn't my money. And so, you never truly, in my opinion, are a real manager until it's your dollars. Until you write a check when you could have done other things with it, but instead invested in and someone else and their growth and they're they're there for you boy that's when you feel the difference and that's why all of this is such an opportunity but at the same point you got to take it seriously and so when i was thinking about the podcast order right the last one was just about me and who i am and my background it's like the, the logical next step is to think about once you figure out real estate to a, enough extent where you can afford at least three to six months salary and that this is the next hire this is the next step so, um, I don't know. What else do you think we should add? I feel like we've gone on quite a bit. Is there, am I missing anything? Or is there anything I'm forgetting? I can't think of anything. We pretty much covered, covered the topic. Yeah, I think so. And so is it something that you're happy that you've managed to find your way into real estate? Is it crazy? Is it looking back? I would have not done anything differently. Seriously. Well, maybe I would have appreciated a more structural, uh, structured training because I would have maybe advanced much faster than I did. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was plentiful. So, yeah. And yeah, you've been asked to do everything. So sometimes the lack of structure allows for opportunity. True. Right. Cause you're forced yeah. to learn things, yeah. you know, first of all, you know, things that you might not have otherwise had to have learned. Exactly. 
So, um, but that's, that's where it is. So hopefully this was helpful. If you listen to this, um, all the way through, I think, uh, hopefully got some nuggets out of it. Pretty much everything I've said is either out of my experience or through coaches or trainings I've been through. So pretty much no, you know, Matt Ryan didn't create any of this, right? This is regurgitated information that I've had the privilege of learning, you know, over the course of all these years. So, um, but we are always, I know if you're local and you're considering real estate, I'll put a plug in there, give us a shout because we're always looking and, uh, and that's basically where it is. So I guess we'll see everybody next time on the next episode.